Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry. And today we are doing another Spiritual Motivators. Watch and guard. Boom, boom, boom. The stories you're about to hear are true. The names were not changed to embarrass the people. Yeah. I just, I started listening to your sermon from last week. Uh, oh yeah, the sound quality is not good. We had some problems. Did you? Yeah, but well. So he wanted me to repreach it, but I'm like, is that your original? It, yeah, okay. that was the original. I'm like, it wasn't that bad. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it recorded it. Yeah, uh, I only got through the first few minutes, but I'm halfway through your story about having to draw it out on somebody. Oh man, I'm yeah. <laughs> and then some lady comes up to you and asks for directions <laughs> while I've got my gun on a suspect yeah literally <laughs> walks up and she was so offended when i told her to shut up and get out of here i was uh i'm gonna call your lieutenant and report you i was enjoying the story and <laughs> so i pulled up here and sat in my truck listening and then yeah. i had to shut it down because i had to come do this that was the day i realized civilians were idiots yeah that's what you said oh i, I did <laughs> i said that from the pulpit huh <laughs> How are you still employed? Well, you know what's interesting was every police officer in our church was laughing <laughs> as I was telling this story. Yeah, that. <laughs> and they're all like, yep. I told you about the guy who burned down his car, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, we, we had a pallet load of nails fall off of a semi. Um, no good thing comes from that. <laughs> right in a major intersection. So nails are th- everywhere. So we had to shut the thing down, and there were several cars with flats, and we created up this very intricate uh, flare pattern um, to try to guide the cars. And I got my white gloves on, I'm directing traffic, and some guy just looks at me as I'm pointing the direction he's supposed to turn, and he just goes straight forward and drives right over my uh, flares. And I yell at him and order him to pull over, he does, Unfortunately for him, that uh, two or three of his tires had flares now stuck to them, and they were lit. (laughs) (laughs) I made him get out of the car. I took his license, told him to stand over there, and we watched his car burn. (laughs) 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 And he's like, well, aren't we going to do something? I said, yeah, I just don't think they're going to make it here in time. He's like, well, well." I said, dude, you're just stupid. (laughs) So you know what you did? You knew how to watch and guard. Yes. That's an excellent. Do you like that? That's an excellent segue. Yeah, yeah. But civilians are still stupid. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. So we're uh, uh, doing, this is a mini series that we've been doing. uh, And again, our goal is to just give ways that the scripture teaches us to live out godly lives. And then therefore, what ought to motivate us uh, in that process and the Christian life can be hard, can be filled with many detours. Uh, if you've been a Christian any length of time, you understand that. Uh, and it can even sometimes end in regret or uh, heartache, uh, but it doesn't need to end that way. Um, it, it is one thing to suffer for the name of Christ, 
that is something the Christian should anticipate, but it's a whole different thing to suffer for wrongdoing due to being foolish, perhaps in your own habits or your own lifestyle. So these episodes are developed toward that end uh, to help you grow in spiritual disciplines, uh, disciplines that are designed to keep you pressing forward. Our last episode was on the value of knowing God's will. Um, that should be rather obvious to us, but somehow it often <laughs> no, is not. It's not. Um, the, the better you know the will of God, the better you are in your confidence that what you're doing is good and also right. And so today we want to talk a little bit about the nature of being alert and guarding yourself from anything that might divert your attention from honoring the Lord. Distractions are a common tool of Satan to tempt us from a life of diligence. We are more easily distracted than we like to admit. Um, so we often intend to read our Bibles, uh, often intend to read a good book on theology, but somehow Netflix uh, is on and the next moment <laughs> we're binging on some show. Uh, good intentions too often don't become good and godly actions, right? Um, and so we, before we blame all of that on Satan, um, <laughs> understand that James speaks to this issue in a very blunt way. He says, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lusts. Then when that lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Um, and so the point is clear. The real temptation there is our own heart and the lusts uh, for that distraction, uh, whatever it might be. And so all Satan is doing is providing the excuse, uh, but it is our hearts that sees that. So we wanna give you a few passages to capture the idea of guarding, keeping watch, and staying alert. And we're not gonna be exhaustive on this, so we do encourage you to do your own study on this by searching out those key terms, if you will. Um, and it is a rather eye-opening study. All right, so with that in mind, the first uh, idea is just that, be on the alert. So Jesus tells us um, in the Gospels that we, he, we are to be on the alert for his return. Um, so in Matthew 24, he warns us that his coming is like a thief in the night. Um, it, it's actually interesting that his coming is described as taking place in an hour when you do not think he will. Literally, that's what he said. Uh, so when you least expect it, expect it. The problem is you won't be expecting it because it will come at a time you don't think it would come. He finishes that whole point, though, with uh, he finishes this with the faithful and unfaithful. Uh, uh, I, I'm messing this up. He makes a distinction then between the faithful slave and the unfaithful, or what he actually calls the evil slave. He says that one of them is prepared and ready to serve the Lord at his appearing, and, and, and then in, as a result, he's greatly rewarded by his master. But the evil one uh, uses the Lord's absence to instead play and misuse his freedom. Uh, he reasons that the Lord will not be coming at any time soon, so he fools himself. And what he ends up proving is to be a false believer who actually is cast into hell. So it's, it's kind of one of those shocking ones where they're both slaves of the Lord, but one proves to not be a true slave. Um, so expecting and anticipating the return of Christ is a key motivator to the one who is wise. But if you're a fool, then it's simply a license to wallow in folly. In other words, Jesus' absence 
becomes a revealer of our heart. So we want to be on the alert just for his return. Yeah. Another one, uh, Paul admonishes the elders in Ephesus to, as he says there, be on alert, uh, remembering uh, how he had ministered to them faithfully for three years. We can see that in Acts 20, verse 31. And his point was that dangerous people would arise uh, and begin to take advantage of his absence and cause great damage to the church. Um, and that is something that is true for us as well. How often have we not kept watch over our relationships and we invite disaster essentially into our lives? Too often we're passive in our friendships and not asking how those uh, various relationships are either helping or hindering our spiritual growth. Uh, so why do we spend so much time and energy with uh, supposed friends that pull us away from faithful fellowship with the saints? Too often we find people who are so invested in silly pursuits uh, that are prompted by bad friendships, um, and yet they still wonder why they're struggling in their spiritual life. Frustrating, isn't it? It though? is. Um, and you see it. And how many times they'll skip church because they, well, we have a family thing. Yeah. Um, and it's like a family gathering of unbelievers, they're all going to argue, fight, disagree, and you all you're doing is teaching your children that family is more important than the gathering of the believers, things like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not wise. Be on the alert. Uh, so then Paul says in Ephesians 6.18 that we are to be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And so the, the alert heart here moves us to prayer and intercession. Uh, a dull heart just moves sluggishly through life with little thought or care for oneself or others. Um, he's saying then that if you're not alert, you're not going to pray. But when you're alert, when you're actually examining, um, it moves you toward prayer. And so as you sharpen your attention and focus, you begin to see people who are wandering and even falling away. You see those who are burdened and discouraged. You see the weak in faith begin to become more pronounced in your eyes because you're actually paying attention. You are alert. And so now you can begin to pray throughout the day and night as these people come to your mind. Uh, You can now enter into true fellowship with them because you actually notice them. Uh, Prayerlessness is usually caused by a lack of any real awareness of the dangers that are all around us. Uh, We're blind to the fiery darts hurled at us and others by Satan. We walk around without the armor of God that Paul just talked about in the verses above. Upon that, you know, he's hurling, or we're walking around without the armor of God upon us because we're foolishly secure in our own strength. And that then leads us to the next point. Yeah, uh, Paul or Peter then talks about watching out for the devil. So he says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, he says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Uh, We can make a strong argument that one quality that many Christians in America lack today is a sober spirit. Uh, We are filled with with memes, uh, jokes, trite, empty platitudes that help no one end up... um, But they just, they they perpetuate bad thinking and bad theology. and so to get people to stop giggling and to become careful and sober, that's nearly impossible. Sober thinking and spiritual alertness requ- require effort and diligence, and our social media-driven society uh, does not promote that at all. Um, and 
that all makes for easy pickings for the adversary, the devil. Uh, he seeks to destroy, and we are so busy doing many other things. Um, in the context, the destructive efforts of Satan are connected to the sufferings for the faith. As, a, as, as suffering increases in our lives, we need to be all the more careful and alert. Uh, that's the point. In our hurting and weakness, there will be many opportunities to lose heart and make sudden foolish decisions that end up destroying us. Um, and the Bible also talks about guarding or being on guard. Um, so, so Jesus warns, for example, in Luke 17, 3, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. I thought this was interesting, the context of this one. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the term guard there speaks of paying attention to something, uh, to keep watch. Uh, in, in the context, Jesus speaks of the reality of what he calls stumbling blocks uh, in the life of his followers. And the one who brings these into the lives of others, they face divine wrath. Yeah, I think he said there, it would be better if they had a millstone tied around their neck. Drown, yeah. Rather than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Yeah. Um, but we, what do we do when a stumbling block occurs? Um, not so much in our own life, but in the life of another brother or sister, we, we see them stumble and fall into sin. Um, so do we just ignore that? Um, no, uh, we're actually to rebuke with the goal of seeing repentance and then we forgive. Um, so th that speaks of the proper and the natural mutual care each believer is to have for the others. We do not live in private fellowship with Christ, rather we live in a community of believers. And so we are to keep watch, not merely for ourselves, but the point is for others as well. It's interesting because most of these are actually, you know, it's not just keeping alert for yourself, what you just said, it's for others. And and I, I just think about how often I'll ask somebody about a couple that's been coming to church for maybe the last two, three months. And I'll say, you know, have you met them? And they're like, no, and I'll describe them. And they're like, yeah, no, I, I haven't met them. It's like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah, why? What are you doing on a Sunday that you are so unalert? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and people are shocked or surprised to find out there's somebody with a great burden going on at the church because, again, they're just kind of floating yeah. through life. And, and it hinders your spiritual growth because you're, you're not moved to pray. You're not moved to rebuke or correct or because you're oblivious yeah. to all of these lives that are going on around you. Well, it has um, to do with your perspective toward the church, right? I mean, we, yeah. we, so often we approach meeting people at church or introducing ourselves or whatever, um, merely at like a social level. Like, you, oh, you know, we want to get along yeah. or we want to yeah. whatever. And we know theologically the purpose of the church. It, you are to help and care for your brothers and sisters. But how, how often are you willing to just get uncomfortable, introduce yourself with the active mindset of the purpose is that we might come alongside one another and carry one another along in this race, if you will. Right. This isn't just a social thing or how I can fit in or find good friends. Yep. So. Another one about uh, being on guard. Um, Paul warns in 2 Timothy, he warns Timothy, he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, and the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. I, I, wouldn't, I, he have, wouldn't that have been fun? Yeah. Uh, 
So we don't know much about this man, Alexander, but we can assume that he was far more dangerous than we tend to think. Um, realize that this is Paul's final letter to Timothy before he's killed. And he actually takes the time to warn him about this man. So this guy must have really been a royal pain. That's not the right word. He's just flat out dangerous. Um, we don't even see words here like Paul saying, hey, pray for Alexander the coppersmith that he'd repent. Um, we just want to see him saved. We just want to love him. Um, you know, that maybe God would save him. Nope. We only see this statement of expecting God's judgment. He's like, make the Lord repay him. And I, I think it shows us that uh, he's one, he's not, he doesn't see that even as gossiping. I mean, now it's been 2,000 years since he wrote that. Everyone knows about Alexander the coppersmith. We don't know who he is, but we all know about him. Um, and it's not gossiping. He's actually warning Timothy of something that is true and worthy of his attention. But the point is that there are simply dangerous people out there. Uh, there are those who are truly enemies of the gospel and the labors of Christians. And we need to be warned and to be on guard for them. We both, uh, Matt and I both know of people who are like predators of various types who go from church to church to church. And all they do is create division and turmoil. And they're like the apostates uh, Jude warned us about, uh, clouds without water and hidden reefs. I actually got an email of a guy who was going to go up to Waukesha, and he was going to do some street preaching. And I knew of the man. Uh, he used to be an L.A. County sheriff's deputy, and now he's part of a, a church down in Iowa. And I knew there had been some issues with him. And so when he, he asked me, hey, I, I know it's late notice, but I have a— strong affinity for John MacArthur and, and all, perhaps you might want to meet with me and we could collaborate on how we can bring the gospel to the people during this hurting time. And so I reached out to another friend of mine who's a pastor back in Massachusetts, and I said, hey, this guy reached out to me. I know in the past there were problems. Anything going on? He said, yeah. He's like, he belongs to a cult. Stay away from him. <laughs> I mean, it was that blunt. <laughs> and I said, Okay, so nothing's changed, and he then launched about what was going on. But what you could see in his words was not bitterness. It was, this guy is dangerous, and don't don't let him into your yeah. area, right? Um, and, and that's what goes on. We, have, we all have these people who wander into the church, and, and, and they're dangerous, and we need to be able to warn one another about it. So when you don't keep your guard up for the, these sort of people, you find yourself sucked into some controversy that ends up controlling you and leading you down roads that you have no business being down. And so we would say that many of the so-called discernment bloggers would fit this category. You know, they're supposedly warning everyone of dangers. All the while, they are laying down stumbling blocks and resistance to godly living and thinking themselves. And in fact, yeah. Peter actually warns in a similar way in Second Peter in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Just listen, and you'll hear how similar it is. He says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, lest being carried away by the error of unprincipled men, you fall away from your, or you fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, now and to the day of eternity. Amen. 
And so he says, uh, and I want you to notice how he, you run the risk of actually being carried away into error if you don't guard yourself from these sorts of people. Unprincipled uh, is also translated as lawless. I think that's what the ESV does. Um, these are just pe people who don't obey God and his word. They're driven by other motives that are humble other than to that of a humble obedience to Christ. And the cost is huge because you end up losing your own spiritual stability. Uh, he says you're no longer steadfast in your faith. And now you're no longer actually useful to the master's work. So you can see how being on guard is a spiritual motivator because if you're not careful, you're carried away and all of a sudden you're embroiled in all kinds of stupid controversies. And so Peter says, instead, make sure you keep growing in grace and the knowledge of your Lord. So, watch out for these lawless, unprincipled people. Avoid them, rebuke them, and stay busy instead growing with respect to your own salvation. It's that simple, and it's very good counsel. Yeah. And then another one is to guard against idols in your own life. Uh, so, John, in First John chapter 5, verse 21, it's how he ends his whole letter. Yeah. Uh, he just ends with that final word, and he says, little children, guard yourself yourselves from idols. Well, it's actually interesting because he, he warns Timothy near the end of his letter. Uh, Peter warns in the end of his letter, and now here John is doing it, and each all of them, they're warning at the end. Mm -hmm. So, I've done all kinds of instruction. My last words is warning, yeah. guard, be on the alert. It's almost like it's important. You think? Yeah. Um, so I think I think it was just because yeah. Never mind. I'm going to be stupid yeah. here. I'll just be quiet. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so uh, it, this is something that is so obvious. Um, yet we believe that many fool themselves into thinking that there are no idols in their life. Uh, that's very common. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you think? And, yeah. Um, and as a result, they, they do harm themselves and they harm others because of the, those many idols. Um, bowing to a statue of Mary or Buddha, that's rather obvious for most people. That is simple idolatry, religious idolatry. Um, but there's other forms, right? So, so what about your reputation? What about your money? What about your comfort, your health, football team, food, clothing, fill in the blank? Uh, are those idols? Um, what about your spouse? What about lack of a spouse? What about children? What about lack of children? All I mean, these things. How, how many times have you heard a mother say, I'll do whatever it takes for my children? I don't care what. I'll do anything to protect my children. It's like, boom, you got an idol. Uh, I, I've actually talked to husbands who will say, I'll do anything to save this marriage. I'm like, even sin? Mm -hmm. And they're like, what, what, what? I said, dude, you, your wife and saving your marriage cannot be your goal. Mm -hmm. It has to be, I need to honor the Lord. Now, that means I become a godly husband, right? Um, but if you're going to say whatever it takes to save this marriage, almost guaranteed you're going to make a sinful choice because – that marriage is a mess for a reason. I don't know if that makes no, sense, but it, it, those, those, yeah. but they're subtle idolic, idols that people get. Anyhow, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that to say, though, that idols come in many forms. Uh, and so we have to learn to identify those idols early so that we can remove them from our life. Um, but that doesn't happen if, if you're not keeping watch for them. That's the point. This right. is a very <laughs> proactive reality. I mean, it's not something that after the fact, it's easy to get rid of. And it is interesting. He doesn't say, um, 
cleanse the idols from your life. He says, guard against them from even coming in. Because yeah. once they're in, oh. um, th those are hard to root out. Well, because they are, they cost, Yeah, right? I mean, you, you your career is your idol, so you take the promotion. Now it's in there, and now you're locked in. How do you extricate yourself? Right. That's, that's, it's a mess. Oh, you got to, I, I think of... Uh, Kim and I have some friends who, this one woman who so desperately wanted to get married, and so she just talked herself into thinking her husband was a believer. There was no evidence for it, and married him, and that he was physically, emotionally abusive in every possible way, and ultimately abandoned her after much abuse. And we're just like, there was a lady who, her idol was, I can't be fulfilled if I don't get married, and the end result was, it was just heart-wrenching to watch. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, so how do you know if you have an idol? Uh, what's the old? Did you, is this your? I think it's mine. Or did you get this? I, I, I really do think it's mine, but uh, if somebody knows that it came from somebody else and they can actually prove it. Um, <laughs> no, no, I mean that sincerely because it's annoying. Sometimes you, maybe, maybe I'm going to show my idol, right? Do you ever get annoyed when you see somebody post a meme and it's some guy, whoever, and it's like, I have said almost right. identical yeah. things multiple times and never been a meme, but I got some guy <laughs> in my church and, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next thing you know, Alistair Begg is, is like, whatever. Um, no, I got gotcha. you. Um, but I want credit because I think it's mine. Well, I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, so the, the 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 question is is how do you know if you have an idol? And you all you have to do is ask one of two questions. First of all, do I sin in order to get it? And that's that's the obvious one, right? Yeah. Everyone understands that. But then the second question is, do I sin if I don't get it? Um, and then if you see that it is an idol, then you need to get it in its proper place. And you need to do it quickly yeah. is, is the point. But those are two very good questions to ask yourself. And it doesn't mean that you get rid of it. I mean, you can't get rid of your wife, right? <laughs> uh, that's sin. Um, you just need to keep your marriage in its proper place. It's beneath the Lordship yeah, of Christ. adjust your perspective. Right, right. So uh, we could do many other passages, uh, but we would, uh, con would consider... Uh, but these are enough to get you thinking and talking. And that's actually what we do hope you do. Listen to this with your spouse or some friends. Use it to help each of you grow and mature in Jesus Christ. We have uh, many other episodes that we're still making, uh, and we trust that these episodes actually are encouraging and helpful. So let us know if they are. But always make sure to tune in. Join the conversation. We want to hear your thoughts on spiritual motivators, uh, what motivates you in your walk. But also don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review on iTunes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend. Mm -hmm.